and welcome to Talking Football Extra, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. Bayer Leverkusen, they do have a new head coach, a bunch of new and exciting players, and they're currently in second, equal on points with the juggernaut that is Bayern München. Could it be that Neverkusen can end the Bavarians' unrivaled run of successive Bundesliga championships? Or are we just talking about a somewhat skewed picture after only seven match days? My name is Nick Viltagen and joining me today is Neverkusen pot host and legend Eric Brühl to discuss all matters by Leverkusen and, you know, being there in second. How's life, Eric? Does, does it feel like a natural state to you right about now? <laughs> Well, thanks uh, very much for having me here today, Nick. Uh, a pleasure, as always, speaking to you, uh, especially about my favorite topic, Bayer Leverkusen. And yeah, life in second place, uh, you know, tied for first, um, second on goal difference, uh, but not by much. And it feels nice. I, I can't say it feels natural per se, because I certainly um, wasn't expecting uh, to be in second place at this time of year, uh, this or at, during this season, at any point actually i'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit but it's uh, it's certainly a, a great place to be going into this international break and um, i'm happy to have a chance to talk with you about it great so let's dive into all things by leverkusen shortly after the break Here we are for part one of Talking Foosball Extra. Eric, we are going to talk about all things Bayer Leverkusen and we're going to go deep into the specifics and the ins and outs of Die Werkself. But let me just start you off with a little bit more of a general question here. And uh, and that is, how, how would you actually describe the start to the season? I think I would describe it, and if I had to choose one word, let's say, I think it would be surprising. Um, it's certainly better than I would have ever expected. Obviously, going into this second international break uh, in, in second place is a surprise. There are a lot of reasons. I'm happily surprised, obviously, um, and not only at the position on the table, but um, we've shown some real qualities that we haven't necessarily seen previously, um, including some real firepower uh, in the form of goals. I was mentioning that the um, goal difference uh, between us and Bayern Munich isn't actually that great. Uh, there seems to be some kind of newfound sense of steel or um, just toughness in this team. And previously, one that had always been at the top of the fair play table in the Bundesliga uh, is currently at the um, bottom of it right now. And I think that actually has translated into some success. And another very happy surprise, at least, again, this is early on and it's only seven games in, but the continued growth of individual players. And I think you see that specifically uh, with uh, Florian Vietz. Um, Karim Demirbay is finally rounding into form for Bayer Leverkusen, played some of his best football and some of the best football at all um, at Leverkusen in the last few games. Um, Patrick Schick is riding the success of his Euros uh, to consistency in the Bundesliga. Proves and Archie Rintot wrong, who said that Patrick Schick would be that one Premier League signing that everybody would wonder about. Why on earth did Everton sign him? <laughs> and uh, he's really turned out to be something else this season, hasn't he, Patrick Schick? He, he is really on fire. 
Yeah, he's really translated his success from the summer and the confidence that he built uh, to success at uh, at Leverkusen. And I think he really he's, he's wonderfully built for this system. We'll talk about that a little bit later as well. Um, and he's very fortunate, obviously, to have a couple of players surrounding him, a few players surrounding him that really uh, work towards his strengths. So he couldn't be in a better situation right now. But um, Bayer Leverkusen, there's nothing to complain about after uh, these first few match days. In all three competitions, you have to be uh, very happy um, with how things have started and the prospects for the future. Uh, obviously, we've uh, we, we've had some injuries. The, the squad isn't entirely complete, uh, but at the same time, it's been early enough that uh, there's been a healthy rotation to some extent, and some of the absolutely uh, new players have started to become a really a part of that rotation, uh, as, I'll, as I'll talk about a little bit later. Yeah, what I think we could add to your list of points is, is the fact that Bayer Leverkusen don't necessarily have had sort of the easiest start in terms of their fixture list to the season because there has been Union Berlin who play in the Europa League Conference League. There has been Borussia Mönchengladbach. There has been Borussia Dortmund. Uh, the only loss so far, which was a wild game, uh, a 3-4 loss. Yeah. There have been Stuttgart, there have been Mainz and uh, Bielefeld in, in the last three matches. So obviously maybe a little easier schedule over the last uh, three match days. But you know, having said that, the opponents you've had so far, you haven't had Fürth, you haven't had Bochum. You know, none of none of the opponents you've had so far in front of you have been slouches, have they? No, that's true. Uh, it, we've had some good tests, no question. I think we were fortunate to play a Gladbach team that uh, at the right time in uh, at least the Hinrunde. We'll, we'll see how that return match uh, turns out. Um, Berlin was, was definitely a tough match and you know, that was very early days. So uh, you have a situation where both teams are kind of still trying to figure themselves out, um, not just one another. And certainly uh, we've picked up moments momentum since and had some really good results um, not just in the Bundesliga uh, last week obviously against um, Celtic uh, we had you know a very successful result in, um, in you know in Scotland but I think that match as well as really the match against Bielefeld to some extent but really that match showed that although that scoreline flattered to deceive a little bit, there are some areas where we still need to work. But what is clear, uh, like I mentioned, is that, well, we're capable of scoring a lot of goals. And even in you know a match like against Dortmund where we lost, we still took the lead three times only to relinquish it, still managed to score three goals. That's one where some of our naivety maybe showed through. But all in all, you have, you have to be very happy with um, how the team has looked and especially as you say in the last few matches um, we've scored a lot and we've held the opponent to few if any goals well if any listeners of ours have been away for the last six or seven months and they hear well Leverkusen lost three four to Dortmund and they think oh that sounds like Peter Bosch football <laughs> for which side <laughs> <laughs> well precisely but I mean both of me and you we've watched Leverkusen you've obviously watched Leverkusen a fair bit more than me but uh, can you tell our listeners what is actually the difference between Gerardo Soane and the way he wants football to be played compared to what Peter Bosch wants from his players? 
Yeah, you and I have talked about this um, in the past, and uh, I think basically what it comes down to is one key element, and that's flexibility, which is something that Peter Bosch, as really likable a trainer and as nice of a man as he was, didn't seem to have when it came to his philosophy and, and also to his system. And something um, Gerardo Seoane seems to really embrace. And I think and in that flexibility, you can see it actually in two important areas. Um, one, Seoane doesn't really uh, put the emphasis on holding the ball as much as Bosch did. Um, so in the style of play, um, he's happy to try to play according to how he wants to determine a match or um, he's happy to react if things aren't working and he has different options throughout this season. I think that's what's been, I mentioned this on our podcast about three matches ago. I think one of the real highlights has been all of the different types of goals that Leverkusen has scored throughout the course of this season. Um, that's except for set pieces, of course, because we still can't do that. But uh, scored a pen this weekend. Come on. Yeah, that's, that's a set piece that, too. That's a set. Okay, that counts. Fantastic. We'll take it. Um, but yeah, you've seen you've seen you know counterattacks. You've seen traditional build-up play with ball possession. Um, you've seen pressing the opponent um, in their own uh, half to get them to make a mistake and lose the ball. You've seen all of these different. Um, it, it isn't necessarily one or the other all the time, but rather uh, whatever the situation or the, you know, the, the match dictates at that time. Um, and it's something that Seuane seems to be very good at, uh, from the beginning, seemed to be very good at anticipating what was needed. And more recently, I think his substitutions have now actually caught up to uh, that anticipation so that he's bringing in the right players. And that other element of flexibility also then comes through in his formations because um, this is something where Peter Bosch really dug his heels in and at the end of his tenure was basically trying to fit, you know, a square peg into a round hole. But Seawana is happy to start in a 4-2-3-1, but then move to kind of whatever, the, and, and that's where he, how he normally starts. Um, but he moves to whatever the situation demands, and that can often be something resembling, uh, more recently anyway, a 4-2-2-2, which allows Florian Vietz and Patrick Schick to really play off of one another, uh, and it allows kind of acres of space, too, for um, the wingers going forward. It's that kind of that that formation shift, and first of all, it's, it should be noted too that uh, Seawana has started playing Vietz, I think, pretty much specifically towards the middle of the pitch now, uh, and that interplay between the two of them is really a directed result of adjusting both of their positions slightly um, to complement each other a little more readily. And yeah, he just he he tink he's been tinkering a little bit, it seems like, and the effects, uh, the results are. Uh, if you know these last few games, as you say, are anything to go by, they're they're pretty dynamic. Um, Leverkusen have managed to score in the first, I don't know, 15 to 30 minutes, and I think every match um, this season, and, and more often than not, in the first 15 minutes, and that's hugely demoralizing, especially if uh, a team, if you're the opposing team and your coach has been telling you just, you know, hold them for the first 15 and you can't do that. So, <laughs> I mean, most coaches probably tell you, uh, hold them for the entire match. And uh, <laughs> if you can't do it for two minutes, well, uh, 
I mean, I'm thinking back on that, on that match against Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think uh, Jan Sommer, probably one of one of the best goalkeepers in the Bundesliga, had probably one of one one of the worst matches I've ever seen him play. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, what really stands out to me to Leverkusen is that this is really such a team effort because. I had huge question marks about Bayer Leverkusen going into this season because Simon Rolfes and his team of scouts, they had a very busy off-season. The Bandit Twins had retired, Leon Bailly was shipped off to some Premier League club that really doesn't matter in the you know larger scheme of things for a lot of money, though. And all in all, the Werksov spent 53 million euros on new signings and they sold off players for 42 million euros. So, as we mentioned, the Bandit Twins, Leon Bailly, probably the most important players out the door. But what about the new guys who've come in? Because there were quite a few and many of them have made a great impact so far and they've, they've brought a lot of new things to this side, haven't they? Yeah, most definitely. And I will just note um, uh, sentimentally that, uh, you know, uh, we also let Wendell go to Porto, you know, before the season really got underway. Um, and Damari Gray went to Everton and both seem to be finding um, success with their new teams, which I'm really happy about because both players I really enjoyed. Um, Damari Gray for the short time he was at Leverkusen. But um, you're, you're right uh, with regard to Simon Golfis and his scouts, because I was not very confident going into this season in large part because I thought our transfers this summer were, let's say, less than impressive, less than enthralling. I mean, what, what, what was really talked about a lot in the media was, well, there's no leadership. There's no leadership in the squad. I mean, the Banda Twins, leaders on the pitch, and you bring in all these new guys for loads and loads and loads of cash. And, uh, you know, they... They're barely old enough to to run their own bath, let alone a team from the pitch. Yeah, I'm, it, it's it's true, and they're really yeah they're they're really young. You're right. Um, the kind of average age of uh, the average age looks to be about twenty of the majority of you know the ones that were brought in with the intention of really starting and contributing um, to Bayer Leverkusen, but um, it you know it, I think it begins with um, Odilon Kusulu. Uh, I always put the accent on his name wrong, but uh, <laughs> he was the most expensive newcomer from uh, Brugge, and he's been he, you know he's been playing at centre back fairly successfully. Um, very, I, I would say he's has been a pleasant surprise. I'm very much looking forward to when Edmund Tapsober returns to see how um, those two play with one another. I probably of the newcomers, Mitchell Bakker has gotten the most run of play and has performed really well. Uh, he is, he, he came from um, Paris Saint-Germain, so he and, you know, uh, he and Moussa Diavino one another, I guess, probably in all likelihood. Uh, he's been starting at left fullback and he's been He's been really great. And I have to say, you know, I say with a caveat because you just mentioned we haven't played any of the worst teams. We haven't played any of the best teams, though, either. And uh, maybe it's up for Dortmund. Uh, and, and Dortmund did actually make um, Bakker look a little bit um, human. But he's he's been fantastic in that uh, left fullback position. And, uh, I mean, oddly uh, has been getting playing time started this um, last match. 
uh, and has already actually scored um, his first goal for Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, he's been uh, he's a winger um, who came from Toulouse. So kind of dipping into the that French um, talent pool, and uh, it, you know wouldn't be it wouldn't be Bayer Leverkusen if they didn't look um, towards the uh, Southern Hemisphere and South America, and they also brought in um, Piero Incapié who is a center uh, center half uh, but f- has been um, playing uh, off to the has been playing on the wing has been playing fullback um, in depending on depending on the um, formation that Sewane has been using I mean that, that that must be your favorite I mean you, you do have certain soft spot for Latin American players for Going after the trade for Bayer No question. I'm very happy to see that. Um, he's also, he, I mean, he's 19 years old. He's um, extremely handsome young man. Uh, he can get, he could get a, he could get a real good foot up um, in this, uh, in the Bundesliga. And I, I just hope Bayer Leverkusen is able to use him as a center half. Uh, but um, he, he seemed to show some ability uh, out a little further, out, out a little wider. We'll see. Um, but with regards to leadership, you're, you, they br- they did bring in Robert Andrish, uh, an older. When I say older, he's only in his mid twenties. Really, you know, twenty six. I mean, yeah, twenty six years old. And but he's you know he's he's been with he was with Berlin Union Berlin for um, some years um, helped them uh, very much in their kind of, um, rise to the Bundesliga and has seen or, you know to some extent anyway and has has you know has been, was kind of a, a cog in uh, their last season um, he was there he was brought in to lend a little bit of toughness to lend a little bit of that bite that the Benders um, previously provided. Uh, and you know he's he's already scored a goal for us. He's already been red carded. Uh, he's uh, he obviously the reasons why we <laughs> we got him. Uh, we saw them all in one match actually. So those are the, some other newcomers as well. Um, actually, I, I would I should mention Andre Lunev, uh, who is the backup, um, the second goalie behind Lukas Rudetsky. Uh, it is the case that Rudetsky plays almost every match. I'm curious to see if Lunev um, will get any playing time because we do know that last year Rudetsky got injured for um, a match. Or two and that was not great for us uh, this time I'd like to be certain that we have someone who can um, pick up the slack behind him so that's about it uh, one of the January signings I will say Jeremy Frimpong uh, from from this year uh, is he's playing at right fullback and he's been one of the best fullbacks in the Bundesliga uh, thus far um, I think uh, I think kicker today I saw he's been one of the best just outfield players I think kicker has him ranked at number nine right now so that was something I don't think anybody was expecting and if that continues um, I'll be absolutely thrilled uh, yeah. it's a bit like when you come back home from work and your wife have bought, has bought you an Aston Martin which you didn't expect <laughs> exactly exactly but you mentioned Robert Andrich and um, the reasons why you guys love him and uh, why you bought him and uh, that being displayed in all in one match I mean you're, you're obviously talking about the, the, the match against Stuttgart where he uh, first scored then put in a horribly late challenge, which was rightly so, I have to say, rewarded with a red card after VAR interfered because uh, uh, the name of the referee for that match escapes me, but uh, the ref only gave him a yellow to begin with, but um, absolutely shockingly late and uh, dangerous. 
But as, as you said, he's he's been away for a few matches now. Uh, he's been banned, and uh, that actually leads me to my next question, which is how do you feel about the depth of the current squad? Because with Andre, you actually had out one of the players you would consider to be one of the possible or one of the likely pillars of that team. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Um the it's fortunately it's the position central you know central midfield central defensive midfield in which we're probably deepest uh, although i say that was the case at the beginning of the season because right now we're very much hanging by a thread um andres julian uh baumgartlinger uh Ezequiel palacios um, all players who play and i must be missing somebody else uh, all players who play at that position are out for some time. Charles Aranguis uh, is really kind of just back from injury, so he's playing full-time there right now, and so is Karim Demerbay. I, I feel if those two if those two are playing, I feel fine, but another injury is going to really, um, uh, is really without somebody coming back soon, is really going to um, strain that position, uh, although Nadim Amiri can uh, play it in a pinch uh, and, and, and does play it. But uh, I, I think the depth is overall really um, very good. Uh, I would, you know, no club has the perfect depth. No fan is ever satisfied, let's say, with uh, their club's depth. Uh, and I, I do think we could still use a little help at the fullback positions. Um, we have, uh, you know, one or two. We have to. We have a couple of players to uh, as as subs. I, I would like to see us still strengthen those position. Those two put each side, and maybe one or maybe one more winger, uh, and I'd I'd be happy. But I do think uh, we have enough quality. Are you sort of unhappy about that transfer of Mitchell Weisers then? No, I, I mean you had you had a right back you actually learned out to Bundesliga two side. Yeah, I think that I mean I really do think that was the best for uh, that particular player um, because I'm I'm he's had a hard time finding purchase uh, in any way at Leverkusen um, and his career was basically stalling here so you know I'm more let's say let's put it this way I'm more upset for example that we um, you know didn't sign Vendel uh, I, I would have preferred to have him over by stay over visor um, but I think both of them I, I do I do think both of those players had kind of run their course and their time at Bayer Leverkusen um, so we'll see uh, right now the two starters are holding it down and, and we do have we do have some support so I'm, I'm not you know I'm just nitpicking at this point what, what really struck me when I watched that match against I mean you'd be the the fact that <laughs> you know I was sort of like looking at the the starting 11 was sort of like thinking man great Looks like a good team. And then Sewane throws in five subs. And I think, like, bloody hell, all of those five guys are good players too. And those are players you would probably demand a starting place at, you know, 14 or 15 of the other Bundesliga sides. Additionally, you have Charles Arangis on the pitch, who used to be a captain, who is has sort of, like, and reputation for being a very proud man who was stripped of his captain's armband. But yet everybody seems to be in sync with one another and everybody seems to support one another. I mean, does that say something about Gerardo Seuane's ability to handle this dressing room? 
Yeah, I think so. Um, I, 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 again, I like always bringing up the fact that he, he does know six languages, so he's able to communicate with pretty much everybody on that team in their native tongue uh, for the most part. And I'm sure with the South American players, that goes a long way, to be honest with you. Um, and he, he does, he does. I mean, he has definitely brought this team together. I think in all likelihood, you, you mentioned, you know, Aranguis was, it's funny when you use the word stripped of his captaincy, that always makes it sound really harsh when in reality, you know, yeah, it's just the captain's armband has been stripped of him. Um, but it is the case that Aranguis, you know, struggles to speak in uh, anything outside of Spanish. And that's, it's tough to, you know, it's tough to have a captain um, in in Germany who who you know struggles with the German language, um, and uh, yeah, that that's that's a tough decision to make. But it's as you know, you know, there was very little outcry or very little um, bad blood. Arangues is playing some of his best football. I'm not convinced that he doesn't uh, relish the fact that he doesn't you know have that responsibility. Um, and as you noted, yeah, the, that's I think an indication of this club's depth. Uh, and also their ambition um, that, uh, you know, that match in Bielefeld, when the subs came on, uh, three of them came on at one time, Nadim Amiri, Daly Sinkraven, and Lucas Olario, all starters from last year's team. Uh, you know, Nadim Amiri really looked like he was going to be our next star midfielder. Daly Sinkraven was um, doing fine on uh, as our left fullback, and Lucas Olario was our leading scorer. Uh, and, and they've all been supplanted at this point and are on the bench. And, um, you know, that's not easy for them, obviously. But as a fan, you love to see that from year to year, the previous year starters are maybe taking, you know, a back seat because the newcomers are that much better. And if that's what's happening here, and, and I should note, last year's team was no slouch. You know, we, up until the kind of end of the year, um, we were in first place, and then it all went terribly off a cliff. But um, yeah, uh, adding quality to the quality that was already there is hopefully a recipe for success. All right, and uh, what the recipe for success might be going forward and for the long term, we'll be talking about in part two of Talking Foosball Extra. And we are about to look into the, into the future, and um, I actually spotted an article in Build, Eric, and uh, it, it said that five players had panned deals until 2025. Uh, that's Mitchell Bakker, Frimpong, Palacios, Patrick Schick, uh, Diaby. And if that wasn't enough, there are another six players who have deals until 2026. Uh, Florian Woods, Tapsoba, Kosononu, if that is, I butchered that terribly anyways Hinkapi, Adley and Andrich and out of these 11 players only Florian Wirtz has sort of like Bill wrote a clause in his contract but as you noted in your notes um, he doesn't have a clause it's just about there's actually an agreement between Wirtz and the club that he will probably leave in the summer of 2023 if something bigger and better comes along but when you look at these 11 players who all are fairly young. I mean, Robert Unrich there, who at 26, <laughs> is one of the oldest guys there. Old man. <laughs> Old man at 26. I mean, um, 
I barely had my driving license when I was 26. But anyways, he's 26. He's one of the oldest, if not the oldest of those players. Do you sort of like feel like Simon Rolfes has sort of managed to create a spine of a squad that is actually going to see you through the next few years and that is going to aspire to go from new heights to new heights each and every season going forward? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Let me preface that by saying, you know, um, you only have some, well, I was about to say, you only have someone like a Florian Beats once in a generation. And honestly, we've well, you had, you had some <laughs> other guy come on, yeah. his name? Kai, Kai Harvitz. I mean, I, I think that's he played true. for some London side. What was it? Leighton Orient? Yeah. Yeah. What, what a, you know, MK what, yeah. Um, MK Dons. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it is, it is, it is um, silly to think about the kind of luck that I have had by stumbling um, into these two prodigies, one right after the other, and um, in, in my own estimation, Wirtz is going to be even better than um, Havertz, uh, Havertz will be. Um, but, you know, so you, you only really have a couple more years of him in all likelihood, um, he'll, you know, he, he's definitely finish out the season. Uh, and then I'm, uh, from everything that I've read and according to interviews, his father has given, he plans on being here for 2022 and 2023. His works, father is also his agent. We have to mention in that regard. So that, that is a bit of a thing you should know about. I mean, if it's, it's some footballer's dad, it's one thing. If it's the agent too, it's another yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and he, yeah, he, he, he thinks, you know, that uh, thankfully that Florian is at the right place for at the right time. Uh, if everything goes well, I'm guessing the plan is, you know, Leverkusen continues their performance and finishes top four next year, plays in the Champions League, and Florian Witz has a chance to really advertise himself on an international stage. Um, to some of the teams I would imagine that will be bidding for him. This is all to say that this year and next year provide probably the last opportunities to have this transcendental talent on the team. Um, so uh, it, something you know needs to happen. We definitely need to um, try to take advantage of that in some way. Vietz aside, um, Rolfus and his scouts have really done a fantastic job of shaping this team. I mean, we just talked about some of the new players to come. And, you know, when a Jonathan Ta, when a Robert Andrich, um, are the the old players on the team, it's, it's a good sign that you are a young team. But I think what is very, I guess, disconcerting sometimes about a young team is you don't know where their development is going to go. And... Um, there's every possibility that it could stagnate. Um, it doesn't seem, I think, probably the best acquisition that Rolfus and his team made um, is the coach, uh, because it looks, uh, like I mentioned earlier, it looks as though Seawane um, has every one of the players really on a trajectory, an upwards trajectory, and is improving them. I mean, Musa Diaby couldn't hit, you know, the broadside of a barn, as we say, uh, last year um, from any angle, um, and already has four goals this year. And um, the you know Patrick Schick um, has, has this confidence, perhaps that he found in the summertime, um, but it's it's certainly the case that he's still continuing to fire and. 
this all that that kind of question about what's to come always feels to me to some extent it, it often comes down to the trainer i feel really good about this trainer and the the players you mentioned the ones that we've locked down until um 2025 2026 all fill really important roles and um, positions in the bio leverkusen team so if um you know, and, and if we're to lose a Florian Vietz um, just before that, then, uh, you know, I feel I feel as though Rolfus and his scouts are probably already look out for the next player to play that position. But, um, yeah, I think I think it's definitely the case that I'm happy with the way the direction the team is moving. I think most fans are very supportive of this young team that um, looks to have really a lot of potential. Well, the story and build that I mentioned uh, in my last question uh, it actually said that there was sort of a project going on at the club. Well the club internally has sort of expressed that they want to win a trophy by 2026 so that is within the next five seasons uh, if we take the current season into consideration. As you mentioned Florian Wiltz is, um, is a talent that is unique it's probably one of those talents you get every 10, 10 years in the football club of Bayer Leverkusen's stature. And uh, you've been lucky to have had two of these guys through your doors in, in the last five, basically. But given the team's current squad, do you think it's a realistic goal? And in the near-term future, the club wants to actually do better in all three competitions as well, they said when Bill questioned them about that. So how optimistic are you about your prospects of actually securing one title by that point? And how vital is Florian Wirtz going to be? And if he leaves, does this sort of quest falter at the same time? Yeah, in terms of type, does the Europa Conference League count? Because <laughs> that might <laughs> it's 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 a lovely it's a lovely. I mean, I I you know I I used to joke about Moldovian sides playing in the Europa Conference League, and then Sheriff Teresbol comes along and beats Real Madrid. That's true, it's true. No, I'm yeah, I'm being facetious. Yeah, the twenty twenty five twenty twenty five twenty six project um, is something actually you told me about because I hadn't seen that, Nick. Um, and it's great that we have a target date. Um, that's fantastic. Uh, like I said in my previous response, I always feel it starts with the trainer, and we seem to have um, a very good one uh, right now um, who has experience in you know, guiding a team to a national title, guiding a team to uh, the top of their table, um, guiding a team through the later stages of the Europa League. Um, and also guiding a team through its 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 um, country's um, Pokal, through its country's cup. So in that regard, you know, I'm very happy we have um, Seawane, Gerardo Seawane at Bayer Leverkusen because I do think he will have uh, the team prepared to compete on all three fronts. And um, it's always the case that the easiest tro the easiest way to a trophy is through the Pokal. 
you know, we play Karlsruhe next, which uh, will be, you know, is, no, is by no means easy. Um, but you have to be happy with that draw compared to, say, you know, Bayern, uh, Bayern's draw or Gladbach's draw, where they play one another. And Cologne and Stuttgart are also playing another. So uh, another uh, playing one another. So, um, the you know, the Pokal becomes... Um, potentially an opportunity. It wasn't too long that we were in the final there. It becomes another opportunity to um, get a uh, get a cup, uh, win a cup. Um, I, I do think this team is going to, you're seeing early success in the Europa League right now at the top of Group G. Uh, and you've seen um, recently... Two, um, two, two wins so far against Ferencvaros from Hungary and Celtic from Scotland. Uh, yes. So the, those those are the teams Spiler because it's beaten so far. And then Real Betis to come uh, very soon. That's going to be the true test. They're also on six points having beaten those uh, two teams that you mentioned. But um, th- this is uh, this is a competition that I do believe Seawane and the rest of the club really want to go deep into. Um, it would be great to challenge um, for this trophy. Uh, as I've mentioned previously, you know, uh, Leverkusen has won, one, has won two trophies, one of which um, is the UEFA Cup trophy in 1988, which is, the, uh, one, which is what the Europa League trophy basically is now. So um, this is not a competition that we're unfamiliar with. And it would be great to you know, say that they have a chance to win the Bundesliga, but that's just, you know, that's it's um, silly. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be Bayern Munich again for the hundred. What seems like the hundredth time, um, but it would be great to finish in the top four again uh, because it has been a bit of a longer drought than I've been used to in the last decade since we've played Champions League, and um, with you know these young play again with Florian Vietz. Uh, as I mentioned, probably next year being his last year, it would be great to send him off with some Champions League football and give some of these younger players uh, who will be at Bayer Leverkusen the opportunity to um, see what that playing in the Champions League is all about. I think 2025, I'm jaded. 2025-26, I'm glad we have a target date. Um, I'm not going to hold my breath other than to enjoy the current football that Bayer Leverkusen is playing because at least they can rely on the fact that it will be very exciting. <laughs> well, so you've, you've not started looking for other names for your podcast because obviously <laughs> if, if, if you suddenly won the Bundesliga title, you, you would have re- renamed your podcast. Uh, one of the Neverkusen crew, uh, Patrick from the Neverkusen crew says he has a name uh, in case that does happen, he has a name picked out already. He has not. He, re- he said this about eight years ago. Um, he refuses to share it. He has refused to share it in that time. So, but I'm trusting that uh, I, he might just be saying that so we can all cheer um, unabashedly for Bayer Leverkusen without having to worry about something so silly as that. But um, yeah, he says he's got it. He's got it handled. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Patrick. Uh... <laughs> I haven't, I haven't spoken to Patrick in a long time. I uh, hope he's listening. Uh, hope you're well, Patrick. Well, um, as you mentioned, we're Bayern Munich. They are the big, bad juggernauts of the league that hasn't been beaten by anyone for nine years, basically. They have won nine Bundesliga titles on the trot, going for the 10th. And that is actually the next opponent that Bayer Leverkusen have got coming up after the international break. So lots of stuff happens during international breaks, obviously, because their players coming back injured. Some players have decided not to get vaccinated. It seems to be 
more common among sporting personnel than other personnel to not get vaccinated for some strange reason. You know, you lots of young men uh, who have a lot of spare time being on the internet. That's a good thing. <laughs> Or not, but anyways. So Bayern München is is Bayer Leverkusen's next opponent. The Bavarians they actually they they dropped three points, three points against Eintracht Frankfurt, meaning that Bayer, who are now equal on points with them in the table, could actually blow past them if they're really lucky, have suddenly better goal difference than them and lead them by three points by match day eight. So. Are you fancying your chances? Yeah, all very realistic scenarios that you've just mentioned there. Yeah, it's gonna be it'll be interesting um, to see. I think for most Bayer Leverkusen fans, for all Bayer Leverkusen fans, let me say, um, you, you have kind of nightmares uh, of this match. Let's say from last year that that match against Bayern Munich in the Hinrunde, which last year was. Uh, found us in similar positions where we were ahead of Bayern Munich by maybe a point in the table, I can't remember correctly. Uh, and it was going into the winter break. And this was the last match before, I think, a six-week layoff or something like that. It was a long break last year, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, yeah, if people remember correctly... The match was going seemingly going to end one to one. Bayer Leverkusen could hold its head up high for having drawn when, with about 20 seconds to go, there was a fateful pass, uh, let's say, bobble of the ball um, that was nipped. I'm not going to mention any names. Uh, that was nipped away, and obviously Robert Lewandowski then made sure work of it and scored to really just on, in the final whistle. Uh, and that seemed to throw Bayer Leverkusen's entire season. Uh, into absolute disarray. And what should be remembered is that match was the last match before the winter break, but I think it was only match day 13 or 14. Um, the actual, uh, there were still some, uh, there were still some matches of the Hinrunde left in the, um, in the next part of the year. So uh, that then absolutely seemed to cr crush by Leverkusen and uh, really was a very, um, uh, let's just say the second half was um, absolutely shocking. And uh, yeah, that's, that's I think, in the back of every Bayer Leverkusen fan's mind. I'm glad we're meeting um, Bayern Munich on the eighth match day. It's a little bit earlier than last year. Um, this is a good position to be in because uh, Bayer Leverkusen is still the chaser and not the chased, so to speak. And I, you know, I'm hopeful that uh, Seruana is being is able to instill in the team the idea that they can indeed uh, win this match. And he seems to have uh, he seems to make them believe that they're capable of great things. And let's, you know, I'm just hopeful that's the case. Uh, and this will be really the first true test for a couple of. Uh, the players who I've, I think have been really great for Bayer Leverkusen, Mitchell Bacher and Jeremy Frimpong, the two fullbacks, it will be very interesting to see how they deal with the wing play, by, uh, Bayern Munich's wing play. Uh, and then certainly uh, Kosunu and um, Ta, maybe Top Soba's back after the international break, actually. You know, we'll see how, we'll see how um, they deal with Lewandowski. But 
it's as you said in you know when we were texting nick um you remove Lewandowski from that equation uh then all of a sudden i'm, I'm potentially feeling a little bit a little bit better about our uh, uh about our matchup but um he's he's uh you know he's he's not injured he's planning to be there uh it's gonna it's gonna be tough and we you know we, we hopefully say oh i watch that match against frank against frankfurt this weekend and uh hopefully uh lucas Radetsky has a game like uh kevin trapp did uh, and then yes maybe maybe it's in the cards I mean, the thing about Bayern is that they rarely ever have two such matches on the bounce. Because, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> Frankfurt, let's be honest, they, they're really lucky to walk out of the Allianz Arena with three points there. Because um, on balance, if you regard the chances that this match produced, Bayern could have probably scored three or four goals and only scored one. Frankfurt basically had two chances uh one of which was a header after a corner which okay fair enough after many corner kicks the guy who's heading the ball doesn't hit it that well so that's sort of lucky and then you have uh, this shot from philip costage from a very strange angle that barely never goes in and that one went in so it's an extremely lucky win and to for two sides to get that lucky against bayern in consecutive matches i mean yeah, I don't think Stephen Hawking would have been able to calculate the odds uh, <laughs> at his heights of his abilities for that to happen. <laughs> they're not great. Yeah, they're not. I mean, and that's why it's got to be more than luck. Uh, it's, it certainly helps to have luck, and uh, but it's got to be a little bit more than that. Um, this, you know, this isn't. Yeah, this is an opportunity for the team to test itself and to really, yeah, to really see what's to, to really see what's potentially possible this season. And um, you know, I thought I thought the match against Dortmund was very good in that uh, it showed we can we can go ahead uh, when we need to, we can score when we need to, but uh, it, it showed also we can't hold on to a lead when we need to. So um, that's ho- that was seems to have been instructive in that we haven't relinquished a lead since, we haven't really done anything but lead since. So perhaps even in the worst case scenario, we learned something from this match um, for future matches. But uh, yeah, it's a tasty way to return from the international break. And uh, I, do, I am happy about where this match lands in the schedule um, about halfway through, uh, you know, halfway through the Heimerunde. All right. Uh, loving that positive outlook uh, <laughs> on things to come. Well, Eric, I think this is it for another edition of uh, Talking Football Extra, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. Uh, this episode of our podcast has been produced by Aiden Raintool. Eric, uh, great to be podcasting with you once again. Uh, before I let you go, please tell our listeners where they can find your work and where they can find you on Twitter. Um, yeah, we are the Neverkusen Podcast. You can find us at neverkusen-podcast.net. And uh, yeah, you can find the podcast itself on all of the major platforms that you subscribe to. We're on Twitter at Pod, and you will find all of our individual Twitter accounts in the bio uh, on that account. Thanks very much, Nick. This has been an absolute blast. Um, Let's go, Baya. And, uh, yeah, appreciate you having me. Uh, Well, I always enjoy uh, the two of us talking about football. Uh, Hopefully we can do it again at some point this season and uh, maybe talk about 
Bayer's seven-point lead in the table or whatever. I would like that very uh, much. <laughs> all right, cool. Let's let's set a date then uh, when that time comes around. Uh, well, uh, my name is Nick Miltong. You can find me on Twitter at Normusings. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Talking Foosball. Get in touch with us if you have any feedback regarding this episode or any other episode that has been put out onto your podcast feed. Uh, make sure to head over to Patreon uh, to get your hands on loads of extra content there. Right now, there's there's an episode on the biggest under-21 talents of the Bundesliga 2 on that channel. And there will be plenty more content to come on the Patreon channel this season. So sign up for that. And uh, not giving anything away here, but um, Eric is going to feature quite heavily on, on the Patreon channel going forward. But, bef- but before <laughs> I just babble on and promote loads and loads and loads of stuff, let me just put an end to it and say that Matt Herman will be back with uh, an episode all about ST Freiburg before match day 8 so we're all looking forward to that one and until then it is goodbye for now.